Online Crossroads fam, welcome or welcome back to Crossroads. This is our midweek service that we turned into a podcast. I'm very excited that you're here with us. Thank you for listening. Um, don't know what time it actually is that you're listening, but it is a Tuesday morning and I am sitting here almost in darkness. Two of my four lights are out in my office and I guess I need to talk to somebody about that because if it gets much darker with it being a rainy day outside, I'm going to go to sleep. But anyway, we're going to get into it. Uh, The direction God's leading us for 2020 at Crossroads is called D1. It started back in November when uh, we did Friendsgiving and the thought behind Friendsgiving was to understand what it means to be a disciple and to become a disciple of Christ. And through 2020, our D1 is that we would become one disciple that disciples one. The tag that we're throwing with that is you got to be one to D1. Our goal this year is to teach our students and give them the tools they need to lead someone to Christ, but to also disciple one person. If each one reached one and discipled one, What would happen in God's family? Man, we're excited about where this can take us. Our prayer, of course, as always, is that we would allow God to use what we're doing to impact not just our students, but our families and our community. Uh, If you've not subscribed, subscribe. Keep up with Crossroads. Send us some information. You can reach out through our social media. Uh, If you go to KennyCrossroads.com, we've got all of our social media up there. We're also working on our church website. We'll be launching the new church website towards the end of this month, and they'll have all of our information on that as well. So thank you, Crossroads Student Ministry, for sponsoring this, and thank you for listening to this. And as always, welcome to Crossroads. Baggage from last year. Um, I didn't tell y'all nearly enough how much I appreciate you and how proud I am of you. And this is not just, I'm not just trying to blow smoke up your skirt. Y'all probably don't even never heard that term. But anyway, um, I, I've been doing youth work for a couple of years now. And every year I'm more and more blown away by what you are able to accomplish. You are so talented. Uh, you are very gifted. Watching you and all the sports that you do, through the academic things that you do, through your busy schedules, through being here at church, being on the praise team, and then uh, our new talent that we found, people that could do the monologue during our Christmas programs and stuff. Um, I am extremely proud of you, and I want you to know that, and I don't tell you that enough, so thank you for being you. And now that all the mushy stuff is over with, let's get into 2020. Take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians. We're going to read the whole book. Just kidding. 1 Corinthians chapter... Oh, we'll go with chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter 9. Someone read us verses 24 through 27, please. You don't know that those who run in, all, in a race all run, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the game takes exercise in self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable, therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Thanks, sir. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for these words. Lord, so much more than just 
words found on paper. These are truths that were preserved for us for thousands of years for a moment like tonight. Uh, God, as we dig into your word, Father, may your word penetrate our hearts. Father, may we receive something in here uh, through this study that would challenge us. Uh, God, I thank you again for the opportunity to get to hang out with these students and these adults. And Father, I just pray that as we are in the new year, uh, Father, that we would get a new vision of who you are in our lives. And God, that you'd be glorified through that. Uh, just speak to us tonight, God. Amen. There's a lot of things that change the older you get. And a lot of times when you start getting older, you look back on things that you really miss from your childhood. Um, sleeping late. Sleeping late is something that most of the time as adults, we don't get to do that much, right? Some of us, none of us. Um, during the Christmas break, I slept one morning to almost 8 o'clock. And I was blown away. I woke up and was like, oh my gosh, half the day's over. And I heard my father's voice in my head when I said that. And then I couldn't hardly get out of bed because I was so stiff from where I'd been laying there so long. So sleeping late. Uh, I would go, come into town, come to work, and go home, and Barrett would still be in bed. And I'd be like, son, it's like a month later. Get up, please. Um, sleeping late. Um, eating whatever you want to and not having to worry about it. Oh, those were the days. Uh, tying your shoes without blacking out, that would be a great thing too. Um, but one of the things that, that just, that I honestly, I look back on and I miss. Did any of y'all when you were kids just for no reason whatsoever just take off running? Anybody? None of y'all? And, and, and it, there was no reason. You would just take off running. Sometimes it was like, hey, Dad, watch this. And you take off running. You know? But that was one of the coolest things in my world. Now, understand, we didn't have computers. <laughs> we, we had dogs, and that's, that's all we had. So that was one of the fun things to us. Going out, if you hung out with your friends, at some point somebody punch you in the arm, take off running. And you're taking off right after them. You're running. Just taking off and running for no reason. That's one of the things I look back on and wish I could still do. Because the last time I did that, uh, we were in Central Park, and Barrett looked at me, and he said, Hey, Dad, I bet I can beat you to that, to that light post. I said, like, So we took off running, and your boy was scalding it. I was mm, burning it up. Man, I, was, I couldn't even see Barrett. I was going so fast. I was about to black out. That's probably why I couldn't see him. And then in my mind, I was like, Well, when I hit the ground and roll... Um, Maybe I'll roll into the subway to carry me back to the hotel because that's going to hurt because there's a whole lot of this running. And when all this starts bouncing in one direction, man, I'm moving. But I, that's just, that was the last time I did that. And unless the boogeyman comes up behind me with a snake, I probably ain't going to run no more. I mean, it ain't going to be like that. Just Because a lot of folks, you know, you have to run for reasons. Whether it's training, whether, um, whether the boogeyman is after you. But I'm just talking about just taking off and running. That's something that we don't normally do as we get older because we understand if we're going to run, there needs to be something that we're trying to achieve. Uh, we've got a lady here in our church, and she runs marathons. I'm talking straight up marathons. I ain't talking, you know that, however long that, 26 points up the miles. She's done Boston. She's done New York. She did the one over in Atlanta. Is it Peach City Marathon, I think? The Mercedes Marathon, the Disney Marathon. If we had a West End Marathon, she'd probably run that. But I asked her one day, I said, so when you take off running on one of those things, what's going on in your mind? She said, oh, I just think about all kinds of things. And she starts talking about what all she thinks about while she runs. And then I said, well, when you're finished with the marathon, how long do you take off? And she said, oh, 
when you finish a marathon, you've got to take some rest. And I probably rest for, oh gosh. And in my mind, I'm going two years, three years. She's like, ah, a couple of days. And then I start back. And I said, you just take a couple of days? And she said, yeah, but when I start back, it's just, it's not much. It's like 10 or 15 miles. <laughs> and I was like, not much. I can't drive that far without getting tired. And she's running that far. But it's one of those things where she said, if I don't start back, then it's going to become more and more difficult to start back if I start back at all. As we look at this passage of Scripture, we see that Paul is writing to us, and there's several times in the Bible where Paul talks about running. I don't know if he was a fit person. I don't know if he just had to run. But in this passage of Scripture, he says, Do you not know that everyone that runs, runs for a prize? And I'm sure that everyone he shared this with was probably like, Well, thank you, Captain Obvious. We're not some chubby kid from Alabama that's got red hair and just going to take off running for no reason. There has to be a reason for us to run. There has to be a goal put in front of us to run. And as Paul is sharing this message with us, um, you got to understand the prize that he's talking about, of course, is heaven. This spiritual journey that we're on, it is a marathon. It doesn't happen in just a sprint. Uh, when I was a kid, I played football. I know, again, you probably think Majorette, but I was a football player. And our coach between my junior and senior year came up with a great idea that we should run a mile. I was an offensive lineman. We don't run a mile. That's ridiculous. Why would I ever have to run a mile? The most I was going to run is like, that's about it, because there's going to be somebody right in front of me. I might have to pull, and if I can get around there, I'm going to hit somebody, but I still ain't going to run that far. But our coach decided we all needed to run a mile. And so that was the goal that was set before us. There was a goal that we had to try to achieve. And there's always that person. Y'all know that person. For someone that's an academic person, it's that person that never opens their book and makes straight A's. Yeah, that's probably some of y'all. I don't like y'all either. But, <laughs> but then there's that person that can just run all day and it never bothers them. I don't like that person. I'm not built to run. The only thing that I enjoy running is my nose from time to time. And that's just because I get congested. The thought of just taking off and running now is ridiculous. And when I was in school, the thought of having to run a mile, I thought Coach Parker had lost his mind. It probably had, but we still had to run a mile. And so we took off, and it was four laps around the stadium. And so by the time I got about halfway around the stadium, I was slowing down to almost a trot. And about that time, I hear something behind me. And it was one of the other linemen. He wasn't a big guy, but he was fast, and he could run. And he lapped me twice in four laps. He finished and was already sitting in his car waiting and I was still like, one more lap, I'll be there in a minute. But we got finished with it and coach looked at me and says, Martin, that is pathetic. He called me a couple of nice names and told me, he says, if you don't get that up, I'm going to stick my foot so far, you can imagine. And so we were going to the hospital and he was going to retrieve his shoe from my rear end. That's what it ended up being. So. I decided then I should probably run better. And so each day I would try to run a little bit more. Now, I lived out in the woods and there wasn't much traffic so I could get out on the road and I could start running. And I can remember thinking how far it was for a mile. It was a mile to my granny's house. It was a mile to my grandma's house. So if I ran either one of those, I could call mom to come get me because I ain't running too. So the thought of trying to run 
and getting where I could run that mile. And I got to where I could run that mile. And I can remember going to the coach about halfway through the summer and I finished the mile and didn't pass out or anything. I was like, coach, I finished the mile. He said, yeah, great, great. Everybody get up, everybody get up. So we all get up and there was one guy, there was a couple guys slower than me, but Big Kev come rolling in last. <laughs> big Kev, six, seven, three fifty. There's a reason he can't run. He's a big guy, but he gets finished with his mile, and we're standing there, and Coach starts talking to him. He says, all right, y'all finished your mile. That's great. Everybody's done good. Next week, you got to get it under six minutes and 30 seconds. And I was like, there's no way I would ever be able to run a mile in 630. And so for the rest of the summer, that was the goal set before us. It started out with there was one goal that was set in front of me. It was to finish that mile. Then he set that second goal. That prize that was set before us, the day that I actually accomplished that, every Tuesday and Thursday was conditioning. And every Tuesday and Thursday, we would jump with weighted jump ropes, and then we would have to go run. And I never will forget the day that I actually did it. And for some reason, it just it didn't feel normal. I was, I was having one, a good day, and I was running. It didn't hurt that bad. I mean, it was still 7,000 degrees, but it didn't seem to bother me that much. It's almost like I was kind of floating. It's the weirdest thing, and I can still remember it vividly. And when I came across the finish line, Coach Parker's standing there, and he goes, click, and turns around and starts walking off. And I said, hey, Coach, did I make it? And he turned around, and he spit his tobacco at me. And he says, yeah, you made it. You should have been doing it the whole time, and turned around and walked off. Was it hard? It was very hard for me. But was it worth it? It was so worth it because I accomplished the goal that, that I had set for myself, something that was encouraged for me to do, but something that I had made up my mind to do. And as Paul is sharing this thought to people, that there is a, a, run, a race that we must run, do you not know that the race, uh, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? There's only one that's going to get this prize. Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do not get a crown that will not last, but they do, they do it to get a crown that would last forever. They therefore don't run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. I beat my body to make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I train myself for that prize that is set before me. The thing that I notice as we're reading this passage of Scripture, he tells us that we are to run, but he never tells us to stop running. And when I was talking to Samantha about running this marathon, I said, while you're running, do you ever stop running? She said, yeah, you know, I'll start walking for a little bit. And when you're in a marathon, there are people, there's water stations along the way, and you'll stop and get some water. But she said, but you never really stop because starting up again is so difficult. But, you know, that's, that's a lot like life. It's really easy to stop doing things that are hard for us to do. Things that are difficult for us to do, it's easy for us just to go, you know what, I just don't want to do that anymore. Um, I guess about two years ago, I decided I was going to start getting up at 4.30 in the morning. I get up at 5 just about every morning now, uh, except for Saturdays and Sundays. Saturdays, I sleep until I get the donuts, so <laughs> we're healthy. Um, I sleep until probably 6 o'clock, and then Sundays I sleep at 6 o'clock. The rest of the time is 5 o'clock. I'm up, ready to go. But I decided I was going to get up at 4.30 every morning. 
And I did it for about two weeks. And I would get up and I would go down to the treadmill and I would walk on the treadmill because you don't want to hear this huffing and puffing at 4.30 in the morning and calling, you know, medic alert, pushing, I've fallen and I can't get up, trying to get somebody to come pull me out of the basement. So finally, I had gotten to where it was pretty easy for me to do it. But I had that one morning. Y'all ever just hit the snooze button? You ever miss the snooze button and turn it off accidentally? Yeah. And from then on, 4.30 was just an afternoon number. That wasn't part of my day anymore. I wasn't going to get up at 4.30 in the morning anymore. It's so easy for us to stop things that are relatively difficult or even difficult for us. But the, the best things in life aren't going to come easily. And as Paul is telling this, he's wanting people to understand the sacrifice that comes with being a person that follows Christ. One that He says that I beat my body into being a slave. I do everything I can to serve the Savior that has given me his life. I'm running this race with purpose. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us run with perseverance. Again, Paul talking to us about running. With perseverance. For the prize that is set before us. For the goal that is set before us. As we're reading this scripture, we understand that the prize that he is speaking of is heaven. And the reason that he says that we have to run with perseverance is because along the way on this journey called life, there's going to be things that distract us from our run. Um, when Jessica and I lived in town, we would jog. We did that for a while. And early one morning, we decided we were going to start jogging. So we were running through town, and it was, it was nice. It was like 5 in the morning. There wasn't much traffic, just people going to work and all. So we were jogging, and all of a sudden, I heard this dog start barking. And I ain't talking about Chihuahua. We're talking about Cujo. This monster dog, dinosaur dog. I don't know. It, was, it started running. And it started coming right behind Jessica. And it had that cute little... And it was barking. And I was like two or three feet in front of Jessica. And I was like, I have to defend my wife. But if the dog gets her, he can't get me. <laughs> so I stopped. And I turned around, and that dog's running at me wide open and barking. And I can remember my father telling me, true story, Dad said that a dog was attacking him. And as that dog lunged at him, he took a step back and got his hands and went right into the side of his jaws. And he stopped the dog. And then he looked at me and winked. He says, I never really did that, but you could do that if you had to. <laughs> so that's the first thing. Coming in my mind at 5 in the morning, it's like, I'm about to be like ninja on this dog. It's going to be awesome. And so I get down in my stance, right? And that dog's like, and he comes jumping. I'm like, hi, hi. And I just screamed at the dog. Like, what? 
I've never seen a dog look that confused. They're like, I was barking and growling and running at you, and you just said, hey. I didn't know what else to do because I'm like, I, I, I ain't going to be able to do that. And so the dog stopped. I'm stopped. Jessica's kind of still going, but she's wanting to see me get eaten up by a dog, I guess. And so I'm just standing there looking at the dog. The dog's looking at me, and I was like, I got to do something. And so I took another step forward. So did the dog. And that dog's like smiling. <laughs> Come on, fat boy. And I... <laughs> Because I speak dog. And so as this dog takes a step towards me, I ball up my fist. Mm -hmm. And I swing. And missed him by about that much. <laughs> I swung just like, and I spun around, drilled a hole in the ground, and pulled me out. It was the funniest thing in the world. But that dog was like, yeah. And it went back to bed. There was something that distracted us from that run. And Jessica, she's like, <laughs> are you okay? And I'm down in the ground because I drilled a hole that just spinning around. I'm like, fine. Are you okay, honey? Because I defended you. She's like, yeah, it wasn't that big of a deal, Ken. And I was like, I'm going back home. And she said, aren't we going to finish a run? I said, you can. Good luck. And I walked my happy tail back to the house. And I got in there, and I was, I was just... I was distracted. My perseverance had stopped. Along this journey called life, there's going to be things that distract us from keeping us on the path that we're supposed to be on. And as we read this passage of Scripture, we understand that the biggest reason we should be the closest we can to God is because of His love for us. And that we should desire to be close to Him in all that we do. But it says a cloud of witnesses. Now, as it's saying that, it's speaking about the, the people that are in heaven watching us. But you've got to also understand that there are people here on earth that watch you. They are watching what's going on in your life. You are to be a witness to these people. In the journey that you're on, people are watching how you're going to react to things. What's your discipline towards things? This run that we're on is a long-distance run. It's not going to be a sprint. And we have to train ourselves for that. Again, it's easy for us to get away from that training, whether it's something at your job that you've kind of taken a break from, whether it's something in school that you've taken a break from, whether it's a relationship that you're taking a break from, whether it's an educational plan or a dietary plan or an exercise plan or, or a church plan, whatever it is. Once we get off of that path, it's hard for us to get back on. But there's a reason that we're supposed to get back on. Now, when we start this journey and we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have the prize called heaven. But I want you to understand that there's a prize before you get to heaven. There is a prize that God gives you to those that are found faithful in Him. There's a prize that goes with being a follower of Christ. And that's what leads us to D1. Our theme for 2020. I think I've probably shared this with you, but I'm going to share it again. Um, I was in a conference several months ago, and the guy that was leading the conference is a former youth pastor from this area, and Cleve is a brilliant guy, and I love sitting under his teaching. But as he was talking, he said, there was a guy that was mentoring me in discipleship, and he said, he asked me the question, he said, how long did you serve at your former church? He said, I was there for nine years. He said, Cleve, you served there for nine years? He said, yeah, I, mean, I was there for nine years. He said, how many people in those nine years that you worked with do you think are still actively seeking Christ? 
And Cleve said, I started thinking and I came up with four or five names right off the top of my head. And that's when it really hit me. In 23 years, how many people have I worked with that are still actively seeking Christ? And that's when God's really been convicting me about discipleship. That's why the whole idea behind Friendsgiving this year was becoming a disciple. And as we approach 2020, as we're walking through 2020, that's where God is leading us as a youth ministry. And it's to become one disciple that disciples one person. To become a D1. Someone that not only talks to people about Christ, but helps them grow in that relationship with Christ. The last words Jesus gave for us is to go and to make disciples. The last words are extremely important. It kind of encapsulates what the sole purpose behind that person is. Jesus' life was to give us a life so we might not only go to heaven ourselves, but we might lead others in that direction as well, to go and make disciples. And in going, that's that journey that we're on. That's that race that we've got to run, is to help somebody grow in Christ. In 2020, through our Sunday morning Sunday school, through day one, through our circle groups that meet on Sunday afternoons, through our midweek studies, we're going to give you the tools that you need to lead somebody to Christ and to disciple that person as well. One of the most important things that you will ever get, and here's where the prize is, is when you invest your life in someone else and you see them succeed. That's a prize that you can't understand until you've experienced it. When you actually pour your life into someone and you see God use them because of that effort that you put. And if we start as teenagers doing that, what would happen when you become older? My whole world as a teenager was built around lifting weights. I didn't care about running. I had no desire to run. I wanted to lift weights and I was good at it. I was really good at it. And to this day, I still pay the price for what I did to my body when I was a teenager. But I often wonder, when I finished that mile at under 630, what would have happened if I would have kept trying to get better and better and better at that? What would my life be like now? Unfortunately, I, I approached my life spiritually the same way I did that 630. I accomplished that goal, and then I just quit. And for some of you in here today, you accomplished that goal of becoming a follower of Christ and you've not done anything with it. I was in the same boat. And that's where God has brought me to the realization that the life He has given us is for so much more than just ourselves. It's to pour into someone else, to invest what we are into someone else, and to help them grow in a relationship with Christ. Uh, in pouring through the cards that you guys did on the last study that we had in 2019, I've been going through these cards and reading these cards and, and the things, the, the goals that you have for yourself personally. And some of you just copied off of somebody else because you said the exact same thing as somebody sitting at your table. And that's okay. But as I read it, it was, I want to study my Bible more. I want to do a, a, a dedicated Bible study each week. I want to have a quiet time each day. Um, the different things that you said, there was one that just stopped me in my tracks and said, I want to lead somebody to Christ. And that's by a person that doesn't even come to church that much. But that's what their goal is. Their goal is to lead somebody to Christ. The thing that we saw more than anything else for your desire for Crossroads was to have more activity and to have more people here. 
And the way you get more people is you invest in more people. I'm a novelty. Folks can come and see me in a week and then they can go, hey, I've already seen Kenny. But they'll come back because you're investing in their lives. What would it be like in 2020 if we had to start robbing chairs from other rooms again? Because of the investment you're putting in people. In 2020, our desire is to become a disciple that disciples someone. Our goal is to help you become a D1. And I believe that there's enough people in here that are willing to take that challenge and actually become a D1. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us through our social media. Go to KennyCrossroads.com and you can find all our places where you can get in contact with us. Or feel free to drop by sometime. Meet us at West End Baptist Church, Clanton, Alabama, or drop by on a Wednesday night at Crossroads, which is on the campus of West End Baptist Church. Love to hear from you. Love to just see what you're getting from this. And as always, thank you for being a part of Crossroads.